welcome back to another episode of the Cock and Bull Podcast, a comedy and history thing. Uh, that's my my good, dearest uh, uh, life brother, Nathan. Hello! I am Spencer. Uh, Nathan is formless I am right unperceivable. Now, um, cloaked in what I would call a hybrid Snuggie pullover sweater. It's just, it's a vibe. There's more blanket than person. I think it's called a comfy. And you know what? It does what it says on the tin. It does. It does. You are a man's face in a sea of fabric from where I'm sitting. That's the goal. Uh, I am attempting to become one <laughs> with the fabric. Nathan, is this you trying to shield yourself from what I do to you on the show? Cosmic horror cannot permeate my shell of fabric and foam and insulation. I, I don't know. The Pink Panther guy from the insulation commercials is in here. I'm very, I'm retaining all body heat. So you've got like, uh, this is like your lead skirt for when I throw you into the, the pain x-ray? Very much so. It makes me look like a babushka ready to enter Chernobyl to do my duty for the Soviet cause. Yes. It does. It does. You do look like a little elderly person cleaning up Fukushima. So, Nathan, we're on kind of a Christly streak, and I thought, why not keep it going? A streak of one so far, but let's say, keep it going. You know what? It can't be every streak got to start somewhere. It does. Most people don't call it a streak until they've at least done two, but... Those are cowards. On October 13th, 1925, Pellegrino Ernetti was born in Rocca Santo Stefano, Italy. Isn't that a water? Uh, your guess is as good as mine. Th- There's Water is among the most produced things in the world, so I'm sure there is a, a water with all sorts of names. I think there's a famous water named that. If I type in Pellegrino, the first thing first thing that comes up is a sparkling water. No shit. <laughs> no shit. Told you. San Pellegrino. Any, uh, any, any, any established date on that when that came in? Mmm. Uh, didn't Google the history. Didn't go to a Wikipedia page, my dude. I just figure sparkling water has one of three things to put on, like, its front page. Um, you know, the name, um, whatever mountain they've used for their graphic design, and when they were established. Because what the fuck else are you going to say about water? Uh, it sparkles. We got bubbles. It sparkles. We got bubbles. And I'm sure in Italian that sounds brilliant. 1899. 1899 was oh, his first name so i was gonna say we could assume that he's like living off the fortune here but we really don't know we have no new we will never know october 13th 1925 our character today pellegrino ernetti in rocca santo stefano italy though i've tried to unearth more about uh, ernetti's early life the best i can tell you is that he joined the Order of the St. Benedict at the age of 16, and not long after becoming a Benedictine monk, he became a legitimate Catholic priest. Wait, you can be one without being the other? Apparently. Apparently right. you can You can be... I feel like monk and priest, it's hard for me to differentiate. Between, I don't know what, what they do. I don't know what their jobs are. I assume one makes beer, one... Does not make that, beer, and I don't know which is which. Which I was gonna say, which I don't know which. I don't know which is which. He was also passionate about music uh, and an accomplished musical historian by some accounts, which is the kind of wording that I use on my resume. I was about by to, some accounts, I was about to say, go listen to Blunder Phonics. Spencer's an accomplished musical historian. Uh, says here, you were the CFO of Warner Brothers. <laughs> yes, sir. By some accounts, some say. Perhaps more importantly, he was an author publishing some 60 pieces across 120 magazines, as well as a physicist, no explanation given, uh, and an exorcist, no explanation needed. <laughs> what? And, and, uh, so a, mu- a musical exorcist? 
It's like half. He's a musical exorcist. He's a musical yeah. exorcist. He can, he's taking some levels in Bard. He can jazz hands a demon out of you. That's what I'm. He could probably compel that spirit out with a great rendition of memories and master of the house. Carry on my wayward son. That's it. My favorite. He was perhaps most famous for his exorcisms, but I would say that's also your one profession that makes the most waves. Everybody's got an easier time remembering the dude that danced a ghost out of your neighbor. Um, <laughs> a lot more than the guy that published 60 pieces in 120 magazines. Not to dispel that's, the, the... That's nothing. L. Ron Hubbard did what, like 25,000 pieces in 475 it's... magazines? I mean, come on, those are rookie numbers. Hubbard's weren't magazines, though. And I mean, I, I, pitching to a magazine is a hard thing to do. Um, wait a minute. I just want to point out 60 pieces across 120 magazines. So did he double up on I, some of them? I mean, he must, at this point he must have, he must've been like, Hey, Colliers. Cause hey, that's a solid grift. The Atlantic. You want, you both want a piece? It's Atlantic, not exclusive anymore, but you know, it's still cool. The Atlantic said, sure. Can I hate on trans kids though? Is that a thing uh, I can, can I insert yeah. that in there? Yeah, no, that, that tracks. Well, in the sixties. Ernetti here starts studying the works of a French writer, one Francois Brune. Uh, I believe I'm Brune Brunet. Uh, he's French, if, in case that wasn't painfully obvious. So it could go either way. In fact, his first name is one letter off from French. Francois. <laughs> Brune, another Catholic priest, was also quite the prolific writer. So what was he writing about? Well, Francois was into the paranormal and its ties to religion. Oh, was he now? Yeah, like chocolate and peanut butter, those two. The one doing exorcisms? <laughs> I don't know if the exorcisms give that away. <laughs> Bear in mind, this is his pal. So we already knew Arnetti was on that religion paranormal train, for sure. Benedictine monk, doing exorcisms, say no more on his front. But he's found someone just like him. A he found his soulmate, spirit. really. A man who likes pina coladas, getting caught in the rain, uh, dancing ghosts out of people. Jesus. I don't, that would have been a. <laughs> the song really breaks down song. after the first two examples. It definitely does. <sighs> so Ernetti is reading Brune's book uh, and he starts thinking, hey, me and this guy, we're, per we're on the same wavelength. I gotta meet up with him. And coincidentally, at no arrangement between the two, they accidentally meet on a gondola ride. No, no, no. Spencer, you don't accidentally meet anyone on a gondola ride. That is what you tell your significant other when you get caught inside that person at the gondola ride. But it, it's you. No one accidentally meets on a gondola. That is a deliberate. You seek out a gondola. Nathan, you can say that, but you and I both know I met Stephen King on a gondola ride. Not by just accident! Just two years ago. Not by accident! That was well thought out and well planned and well executed. The authorities can't prove that, is the thing. It, Nobody it, can find my Stephen.txt document I had it's, leading it's up to that buried meeting. buried in 45 different folders. We all know no one's coming across that, but I'm just saying, accidental gondola rides are a myth, and I'm here to to dissuade you of them, or disabuse you of them. Welcome to my TED Talk. You're saying when you when you sign up for a gondola ride, like the, the, the gondola captain's like, yeah, no, I got a booking at 4 p.m. the next week. Here's a list of everybody else that will be on it, though. I'm just so you're aware. Exactly. Like this is you're you are aware. You don't you don't book a gondola well in advance. It's like being like, oh, I accidentally ended up in the same pay by the hour roadside motel as this person. We randomly met there. 
We used assumed names. You don't <laughs> accidentally get in a gondola with somebody. I respect your skepticism, and um, it may carry you through the rest of this episode because there's a lot of unbelievable things that I fear you don't have the faith to put your, oh, put no. your uh, oh, weight behind. Oh, God, no. Well, we are dealing, uh, with, the, we are dealing with the religious, so here we go. So while they're sitting on this boat, uh, this coincidental meeting, this accidental meeting, they turn, they they accidentally kiss, they're holding hands. Yes. Um, they start they start talking shop, you know, about Catholicism, about ghosts. Hey, I've read your book. Um, did you know that most popes weren't canonized? The, t- the classic small talk I imagine Catholics have. Well, here's how I imagine this little get together going. Uh, they've been hanging out for quite a while now. And and let me tell you, the wine starts flowing between these two. You know, they've headed back to Renetti's place. He's popping out the reds, the whites. The blues. Only God lets you have the best blue the good, wine. The good blues. That's that Benedictine blue wine. I learned how to make this shit back at the monastery. They don't teach you this. You have to make it in a toilet. We'll call it Boone's <laughs> Farm. It'll be, and it'll just be blue flavored. The secret ingredient is this Cloroxo. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. They get metaphysical. And probably actually physical. Oh, Rudin throws out the age-old conundrum of religious texts and their ancient, ambiguous nature. They're so open for interpretation. It's so easy to get something wrong, to, to make too many assumptions. And Ethan, I'm sure you and I would agree. I mean... Oh, yeah. So many different ways you can read a situation. Like the one where you turn fish shit, uh, one fish into two fish. Red and then, fish. like, the one bread into two bread. Blue fish. Like... Did, did he actually duplicate food or did he inspire the community to come out and be like, oh, shit. Well, if he gave away his fish, I'm going to give away my fish. I, and it was like a symbolic oh, see, duplication. I've never of food. read anything other than literally into every Bible story ever. So you're you're going to lose me here on this concept that they are not <laughs> literal truth. If he didn't split that stuff up, I don't know why they didn't just say he inspired the people. That would be a dumb way to write. Especially if you were trying to make some immortal religious text. Well, I mean, I think Food Wizard paints a slightly cooler picture that, for the masses because it's than motivational public speaker. Which is, that's why you're a food wizard. He was a food wizard. That's why we yeah. enjoy him. Yeah. So what's the rationale behind walking across the, or parting the, parting the seas? Do you have a well, demo for me on that? He didn't part the seas. That wasn't JC. That was, again, now well, we go okay, to Moses. Okay, it was Moses. I'm aware. So what I'm was aware. the reason to part the Red Sea? Is that what you're asking me? I'm confused. Well, why, why do you, why do you portray that whole story as parting the Red Sea? What actually happened? What's this a metaphor? For? He's Aquaman and he parted the Red Sea. Again, I don't know why you're looking any deeper for this. He, he split a man in twain with his powerful, <laughs> powerful magics i don't know what what else i don't he he, he wanted people to be more partisan and less yet less united we i should, want to take it we should i want to take it back to moses cut a dude in half star yeah in twain it cleft him in twain um but that just happened back then that was a thing you did um when you mess with a water wizard like that you're gonna bend water you're gonna have some casualties you're going to have some casu- some literary casualties, we call it. Uh, Ernetti, in turn, asks Brun what it would be like to take the ambiguity out of the situation, out of all these stories, and literally witness them. What would that be like? If you had the opportunity, he's like, hey, Brun, if you had the opportunity, what would you go back and see? Are these see? guys getting high and doing, like, would-you-rathers with religious iconography and shit like that? Yes, Yes, right. he's asking him, you know, all right, let's talk about a biblical story. I'm going to pose you the same question he poses, Brune. 
If you could go back to literally any biblical story and witness and hear it firsthand, what would it be? Uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. That seems like a real lit place. Good one. That seems like Good a one. very uh, high energy, ready to go kind of town. Also, Pillars of Salt. <laughs> that seems like fun. I'd like to watch that. Fuck yeah. No, I hear that. Any of the times so, there were literal biblical angels and they're like with their 45 eyes and their 13 <laughs> mouths and their orbs of fire. Cthulhu's fuck off wagon wheel of, of cosmic yeah, horror. Yeah, I want the cosmic yeah. I want to see some of this cosmic horror fucking shit that's going to that's gonna irreparably scar my brain. That always makes, it always makes sense when like the angels first words are like, don't be afraid. It's like <laughs> if you picture like the fucking precious moments like- baby in a fucking robe there's no reason to be afraid in a robe yeah why would i why would you open with that but if it is a wagon whose spokes are dicks and (laughs) cogs are eyes yes again 75 eyes all of them are on fire and they're consuming goat's blood to sustain themselves and it reflects your uh, deepest fears and lust yeah no yeah i would i would need it to tell me don't be afraid yeah no it makes sense so that's that's the question these two are kicking around. Like I said, the wine is out. They're hitting something. Broom gives whatever lame ass answer he. Pro- I don't. I don't know what the fuck he would have wanted to see. I'm assuming it's not as cool as you and me here. But, no, of course not. Um, after a a long, long while, Ernetti, you know, says, "Oh, that'd be cool. Here's what I would see." After a long while of hearing what the two would want to hear, Ernetti asks if he can tell Brun a secret. <laughs> are gonna kiss on their sleepover. Brun, intrigued, proceeds to listen as Ernetti tells him that he has a very powerful device in his possession. <laughs> a device that he calls no. the Chrono Pfizer. No! 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 This is the beginning of yes, a Square yes, Enix yes, yes. game. This isn't real life. No. Absolutely uh, not. Get, no. Desmond, Desmond is going in the Templar's time pod here because the this, Chrono Visor. This is you've got to uh, be. This is a. Is this? Tell me, this is like a like one of those kachunk like kachunk viewfinder <laughs> with but but for ancient history. Like put yes. the put the yes. Chrono Visor on, and it's just one of those. Give me, do you see? <laughs> give me the Sodom and Gomorrah disc. Kachunk. Whoa! It's like I'm there. Uh, I, I think gone. that's the second time. That is the second time we've referred to said device on this show in 83 episodes, and I, I consider that an accomplishment. I believe it. Um, for a history podcast, you'd think we'd have done that like 20 times. You'd I'm saying we have remarkable more. restraint. The Chrono Visor is a machine that untangles and deciphers the electromagnetic frequencies left behind by all human beings, all moments in history. This device, Nathan, is th- this this chronovisor allows you to witness history. This is a quadro tracker again. You're quadro yes. trackering me again, Spencer. Uh huh. Yes, I am. This one's full of bees. <laughs> Ernetti is quadro tracking Brune. Let's say, and Brune is naturally skeptical. Um, okay, no, he's probably not. I am. I'm skeptical. I'm skeptical. I'm a little skeptical. We're highly skeptical on this podcast, Brune. Like a good paranormal researcher, presses for more information from a peer-reviewed source. <laughs> no, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. He turns on the History Channel and says, I see a ghost. Ernetti <laughs> rewards him with the knowledge that this chronovisor was built with the aid of 12 of the world's top scientists. <laughs> all of whom would remain anonymous. Albert Einstein. Dr. House. <laughs> one of the Venture Brothers. <laughs> 
We've got all the top scientists. <laughs> um, now, I, I'm going to share with you two of them, because while he didn't divulge them immediately, I, in all of my research, did find two of their names. Enrico Fermi. Yeah, I was about Italian, to say Enrico Fermi. Are you kidding me? Fuck you. Enrico Fermi, the Italian physicist behind the world's first nuclear reactor. Yes. And do you want to take a stab at the second one, maybe? It's, is it Einstein? Einstein is not name dropped. Werner von Braun. Oh, wait, the Nazi like propulsion guy who then came over and became yes. our propulsion guy? Why yep. do you need a rocket <laughs> scientist to do time wizardry? <laughs> He's slapping it in a rocket and he's blasting it to your brain. I was about to say, you're just microwaving your brain until you have a seizure and have like fever dreams. That's what's happening here. We're going to shoot you so fast that the G-forces make your eyes bleed. And right before you black out, you'll see a ghost. So so he insisted all of these men remain anonymous. Only uh, 10 of them escaped into obscurity. Braun and Fermi, strangely enough, were only identified in 1992, so roughly 30-some-odd years later, for reasons that we're going to get into. Uh, I was about to say, there better be reasons for this. According to Ernetti, the device had several antennae, three of which were made of quote-unquote mysterious metals (laughs) that picked up sound and light waves across their entire respective spectrums. A direction finder on the device was allegedly tuned into the specific era one wanted to view, while a screen displayed it and a recording device captured the footage. I love a recording device captured the footage! This is a camera in, like, what the, what is this, the 50s? The 30s? Uh, 60s. The 60s. 60s. Okay, all right. So, uh, um, uh, I mean, a camera, a recording camera. So the camera part's... The the most plausible part of the whole sentence I just and, said. <laughs> yeah, but the other stuff I'm willing to concede is bullshit. But where are you getting the recorder? <laughs> this is an expensive bullshit gamut. Twelve of the world's top scientists don't put their name behind something that you can buy at the Dollar General. Well, ten of All the right, twelve don't part... put their name behind it anyway, the cowards. <laughs> put your name on it, Einstein. <laughs> Throw your stuff up, Oppenheimer. Put your money where your mouth is. <laughs> the chronovisor was thus more of a window into the past than a time machine. Ernetti said it worked kind of like a television, catching echoes from days long gone that had been floating in space. That's not what a television does. That's not what a television does at all. I caught this I Love Lucy from days long past. This is like that that movie Contact where it's like Jody thought like they see Hitler in space a hundred years from now and send it back to us kind of a thing. (laughs) This is not really, this is not how, I get that Carl Sagan worked on that movie, but I don't think that's accurate accurate that that is the most plausible way something like this works and and again i say plausible completely not so but the the most realistic way this would work is you know if we say had a telescope that looked at this world from 2000 light years away at this time then you could take a picture of what you'd see because the light rays would be on a you know two you know 2000 year delay that's what this is allegedly trying to do is it's catching the electromagnetic remnants of these 2000 year old events and like putting them onto film or something. Yeah, that makes, that makes, Um, wait a minute. No, that doesn't make any goddamn sense. That's no, no, no. I I see what you did there for a second, but no, that doesn't make any goddamn sense. That's not how it is. is, The lights here. We're not looking at it. 2000 light years away. It's right here, Spencer, right here. But it left, it left some baggage is what I'm saying. The light left a little bit of babies behind. Every minute of every second of every day would have left baggage. It would be, it would just be pouring buckets of paint on top of itself. You can't, 
cartoon this? What are they talking this about? Is, this is the logic that like videos from last week are trying to uh, still apply to this story. Oh, God damn it. Again, this there's is, there's some fun times this ahead. This is why our society deserves to die. Yeah, yeah. Uh, scientific literacy is uh, non-existent uh, for a large part. He said it was like a television. It's not. He claimed to have used this technology to have witnessed firsthand some astonishing things. He's used it. He not only has it, oh, of but he's, he's used, used it. it. You don't you don't just hold on to something like that, baby. You're using it all the time. Unless you're just living in constant fear that it's like a one time this is a one shot camera and it's gone. Then you're like you're going to be on your deathbed like oh, I still don't know. Do I see who Jack the Ripper is? <laughs> Was Jesus black or not? God, I don't know. <laughs> You're not going to be able to see it in color. You're going to see like hazy blue and white. There's no color on this. This is a black and white camera at best. It's the 60s. So Arnetti recounted <clears throat> how he witnessed Marcus Tullius's uh, speech, excuse me, Marcus Cicero's speech to the Roman Senate in 63 BC. Quote, his gestures, his intonation, he said, how powerful they were. What flights of oratory. Does he explain how he captures sound from that far long ago, no. too, on his no. magic mystery no. machine? No. Um, sound, okay. you see, leaves these little light, uh, little babies behind. Little baby, uh, little sound you, babies if behind. You, if you used a soundoscope sound and you tuned it into, if you were 2,000 sound years away. Some nonsense right here. To nobody's surprise, Ernetti made additional, increasingly bolder claims because he's wetted Brune's beak here and he's clearly not called bullshit. So he's like, what else can <laughs> I say? Well, anything at this rate, literally anything. Claiming to there's a, a tiny man that lives in my cupboard. I'll actually, I'll give you a chance. What do you think his his biggest witness here is? In Italy, did he go see Jesus? I'll do you one better. He didn't just see Jesus. He saw the last of Jesus. He saw the crucifixion of Jesus I Christ in Rome. Mm -hmm. There we go. Yeah, he went up to that hill called. Thaya, and he saw things. I don't know shit about this. From the founding of the Roman Empire to the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, Ernetti alleged ah! that, see what I mean? You got a good call here. Ernetti, Ernetti's cool. He wants to see the cool shit. Ernetti alleged that he and his team had taken a peek into some of the most important events in the Bible. Now, if homeboy is allowed to peep the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, I'm just saying Lot's wife got a raw fucking deal. That's raw deal. A raw deal. Apparently the, the resonance visual of it, no problem. On May 2nd, 1972, an Italian publication called La Domenica del Corriere published his claim titled a machine that photographs the past has finally been invented. We've all been asking no! for it. No, it hasn't. It absolutely hasn't. What is this, the National Enquirer of Italy? The article covered Ernetti's shocking statements for all of Italy to read. Alongside his dubious claims, Ernetti sweetened the pot with a picture. Yes, a photograph of Jesus Christ being crucified. And I'm sending you this picture now. That's not... No, how would you just no. How would you describe what you're looking at? What I'm looking at is... A, a black and white photo of of a man looking up a, a nonplussed man looking up this is not a man being crucified I'll tell you that right now this guy has no F's to give no fucks are given by this gentleman right now he's fine he's chilling he's just looking up going oh this again oh uh, 
Uh, it also looks like an act, like like graffiti art. It does not yes. look like a photograph. Very high contrast. Very high contrast. Yeah. It, it is literally just all black and then some whites. It is insanity. Yes. This would be like a silhouette, more or less. The 1972 article also purported, alongside this image, that Ernetti had witnessed the Last Supper and kept a photograph of the biblical event for himself as a souvenir. Exact words. It's it's just the Da Vinci painting. It's just the Da Vinci painting, and he just says, Oh, yeah, it's a picture. I took a picture of this. Hey. <laughs> Let me tell you. My, look at me. I took it a picture. <laughs> Let me tell you. My man Leonardo, spot on, because look at this shit. Look how close he got it. The public interest was, of course, potent, if not short-lived. Why? Why was it potent? Numerous publications picked up the story, but since I don't read Italian, I can only assume each article was a thorough dissection of the plausibility of such a device. Very, this is very thorough. Just, this is just the, the Cottingly Fairies 2.0. Yeah. Like, yeah. this is insanity. Yeah, this is a Loch Ness photo. This is a, this is, I, I saw Bigfoot's pubes in my garden. And I would like my 10 minutes of fame, please. Yeah, very much so. But we're not trying hard enough. If you're not, if you're, if you want to be famous and you're not, you're not trying hard enough. These are just the rules. Exactly. It's this, it's, it takes nothing. It takes next to nothing. Uh, but as I said, it was a short lived press tour. See, it was hardly any time at all before another magazine revealed that this photo of Christ was a reversed image of a postcard in the town of Colevalenza. So this is the era before Google image, reverse image search, is yes, what you're telling me. That is exactly right. Okay. If there was ever a, a decade to pull off this grift, it was the 70s. Um, actually, it was the 60s, because by 72, they had you figured out. Ernetti was <laughs> surprisingly silent following this um, revelation, with hardly anyone believing that it was a mere coincidence that his image so heavily resembled the postcard. But Nathan, there is still a page to go maybe on. That this, guy, so I'm not done yet. Maybe that guy has a maybe that guy has a chromomatic five thousand two. Thank you, thank you. Maybe that guy just had one. Ernetti both did and did not maintain the grift after um, the jig was up. He he walked back some parts of it, but not all. It's honestly hard to find anything of interest as far as the chronovisor goes for twenty years after that point. So as of as of like 1992, he starts stirring the pot again. Two years before his death, he outed two of the co-conspirators who helped invent the chronovisor so as to help build a little bit of the credulity, which by this point included Ferme and Von Braun, two people who had died 40 years prior to him saying this. Good. This is important because now they can't refute it. Exactly. They were already 20 years dead by the time he even mentioned it to begin with. And so, I can't find many record of him admitting where the chronovisor itself had even gone. There really wasn't a consistent answer to that question. On his deathbed in 1994, a family member of Vernetti alleged that he'd confessed to faking the photograph. And that he'd written the entire, uh, oh, I don't even know if I mentioned this. Um, there was a, there was another big piece of supporting evidence he had that, like, was published and actually thoroughly admired by people. He went back and witnessed um, uh, Lost Latin Play, this work by like Quentin Aurelius, I think his name was, you know, the father of Latin poetry in general. Um, he went back and found like one of this guy's first street plays and he wrote down every detail of it. And then he published it in the in the 60s and people were like way into it. Um, on his deathbed, he allegedly confessed that he also wrote that whole poem himself. 
Surprise, I know. I it, it doesn't take much. They couldn't have had much going on. <laughs> Just throw a bunch of Latin together and call it a day. They'll buy it. It, it didn't have to be good. It was his first, you know. There's yeah. a reason it was lost. Nobody gave a shit. Nobody gave a shit. On his deathbed, he confesses the photo was fake and the poem was fake. This same family member that he made this confession to claims that Ernetti did want to emphasize that the machine did still exist. He just faked the photo and the poem. What? Why? Seems, Your guess is as good seems, as mine. Because you can't fully give up the grift. You gotta, you gotta keep it alive, baby. Well, I think I know why. And it's because uh -oh. my buddy, my old friend, my old uh, uh, college wine buddy, Francois Brune has, uh, has some postulations oh, no. to make after his buddy dies. Oh, no. Brune steps out and uh, proceeds to kick the hornet's nest. Um, and then he shoots it, douses it, incinerates it. Um, because following Ernetti's death, the floodgate of nobody's alive to contradict me was smashed. And he came out fucking swinging. On Ernetti's behalf, he made a number of corrections to the public record, including a contradiction to Ernetti's deathbed confession, claiming that the Vatican had forced him to deny the crucifixion photo. They had coerced that confession from him. Oh my God. Not only that, but he knows where the chronovisor went. He knows that the Vatican came to him and stole it from him. They were the key suppressing force. <laughs> no. They intimidated both Francois and Ernetti back in the 70s before confiscating the device and hiding it away in their highly secured papal archives. So the, the Indiana Jones locker room, basically, where they keep yeah. the Ark of the Covenant and all the other things. Yeah. Yeah. They've got they've got okay. those pieces okay. of Peter Bartholomew's lance. Yeah. They got the uh the they got the piece of the petrified wood from the cross, the chronovisor, the Vatican. <laughs> No stranger. 14 quadro tracks. 14. <laughs> they got the one that works, I promise. No ant ships in this one. None. The Vatican, no stranger to bizarre conspiratorial allegations, um, somehow felt compelled to address this one publicly. <laughs> like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. They they accusing us of uh, of uh, diddling to kids. Oh, no, no. Silence, hide that one. Wait a minute, this guy says we have uh, the picture machine for the ghost see Jesus. Uh, no! <laughs> no! No! No, we, no, 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 no. We fight back. A line too far. <laughs> they, they, they came out and said that while no device of that sort existed, anyone who happened to possess such a device, hypothetically, would be excommunicated by the church. <laughs> Which almost makes me think there actually is something to this. Oh, there's got to be. And it has to be owned by some crazy hyper-Catholic person that that threat is a big enough issue for. Because to feel the need to come out and say, no, 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 time machine goggles do not exist. But if they did, <laughs> they would not be allowed in here. We promise. No. Absolutely not. Makes me wonder that was there a prototype at least or some shit? They tried. Ugh. They tried to make one. Fairmay got him and they just it melted their eyes. It, and from that point <laughs> forward, they're like, we can't do this anymore. Brune goes on to to follow Ernetti's footsteps um and jumps on the dying fad about 25 years later. Uh, dying January of 2019. Now, to my knowledge, there were no deathbed confessions from that man. In fact, I'm sure he doubled down on his deathbed. Just, just kept going. Broom was like, no, 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 I saw it. And Jesus was white. <laughs> they got it in one. 
Yeah, so there you have it, Nathan, a a Catholic relic, a uh, holy grail that no doubt is sitting in a Catholic warehouse. I just think they need to update Civ 6 and add that as one of the new holy relics, especially when you get into that modern era, you know, find yourself a chrono visor. And <laughs> get, get yourself a chrono you know, visor. Plus one, to, plus one to diplomacy. I don't know. 1972. Give me a great work of art that's photo of Jesus. Photo of Jesus. <laughs> I contrast photo of Jesus. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Cock and Ball Podcast. We hope you enjoy listening to it as we enjoy uh, making it. And if there are any suggestions you have for us, always feel free. Reach out to me. We are at Cock and Bull Pod on Facebook and Twitter. Go check out uh, my latest show. It's One Shot, One Quill. You can contact us at DND Pod on Twitter. We take Twitter How suggestions. How did you get that? Uh, we got it four years ago. Is the an- no six years ago is the answer. We made a shitty D and D podcast a long time ago, and we just kept the handle. And then we purged every You've every semblance of the old one. How ones. is nobody tried to buy that off you at this point? Good God! Uh, but yeah, we take Twitter suggestions, and my co-host and I, Ben, as well as our guests, we formulate one-shot tabletop adventures. So it's kind of like a writer's room situation. If you love D and D, you love Pathfinder, whatever, take a listen. Uh, pitch us some suggestions, and uh, no doubt you will be used on a future episode. Nathan, anything special you want to shout out? How you feeling about this one? This one makes me feel uh, some level of joy, as the Quadro Tracker did, in the hopes that if everything goes wrong for me in my life, I can just start lying professionally, and then I don't really have to have a skill. I just We've, have to be able to lie effectively. Yeah, yeah. While the grift of we are we are, I would say centuries past the grift of saying, I, I own a stethoscope and becoming a doctor, we at least still have this one. You know, I'd say I'd say lying your way to fame is still a thing. And I'm, I'm going to take advantage. That said, I don't know if Photo of Jesus really paid Ornetti's bills or not, but like at least someone talked about him. And that's real. That's a currency yeah. in itself. We know what happened on his deathbed, man. That's more than they're going to know about most of us. That's fair. Folks, we will catch you next time. Farewell. Farewell.